You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 40 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Listen, as always, I know how important your time is. And while we all have the same amount of time, it is in fact a commodity. You have to use it wisely. I know this, so I appreciate you finding this podcast, and I'm always looking to make it worth your while and make sure you get a good return when you do invest your time. And I feel that you will today, especially with this episode and this conversation. It's a really critical conversation, and I have so much respect for our guests for wanting to have it because it's a very difficult conversation to have. Rob McClanahan is an MBA skills trainer. He's an author. He's an inspirational speaker and a father. He started out, in his own words, as a skinny kid from Cranston, Rhode Island, and he walked onto the famed Syracuse basketball team. He gets out of college, he lives with his mother, and he works at a high school teaching dodgeball, literally. But through force of personality and persistence, he was able to begin training other top players. He worked, and he networked himself to the very top of his profession. Soon, he was working with the very best basketball players on the planet, flying with them on their private jets all over the world, staying in the best hotels, eating at the finest restaurants, and living his dream life. Except, he said it was even better than the dream because the world that Rob was living in never actually existed in his wildest dreams. It was that good. It was better than a dream. Or so it appeared. So it appeared to the rest of the world, because while he was killing it externally, he was suffering terribly internally. He was spiraling without anybody even knowing. He told no one, and he tried to fight through it, only to end up in a hotel room one night in New Orleans, where he attempted to take his own life. It is an absolutely harrowing, yet inspirational story, packed with hope, and it's an absolute must-listen for anybody who is struggling right now or knows somebody who is gravely struggling, but doesn't know exactly where to turn. It's episode 40 of The Reinvention Project with guest Rob McClanahan, and it's coming at you right now. So, Rob, I think your story is really important. I think it's really powerful. I really appreciate your willingness to share that story because I know there are others probably dealing with similar challenges that I know are going to benefit from it. We will get into all of that. But first things first, really nice to meet you. Thanks so much for making time. How are you today? Good, Jim. How are you doing? Pleasure to be on. I was a big fan of the jungle growing up, so it's, it's uh, really great to meet you. Oh, that is great. I really appreciate you saying that. It's great to hear that. Really nice to meet you. So, Rob, take me back, if you would. You grew up in Cranston, Rhode Island. What's Cranston like? What were you like growing up there? Uh, I was a big Providence Friar fan, so we're having a good year over here. Um, you know, but, you know, just Northeast guy, Big East guy, and that's what kind of led me to want to, um, you know, eventually go walk on to Syracuse. So, the, the, you know, the roots here are great with the Big East. And, uh, you know, growing up here and just playing basketball wasn't really a, a big deal, but ended up uh, getting lucky and uh, walking out of the Qs. All right, so Rob, for instance, like this podcast, this is a little bit different than what you and I would normally do. Like I'm fascinated by all things Big East. I love your background. I really do. So understand that there are people listening right now that fully understand what you and I are talking about and then some other people that I kind of have to walk some of this through. Like, for instance, how did you break into training? For instance, how did you go from being a skinny kid from Cranston who walked on in Syracuse to training some of the very best players in the entire world? How did that come to be? Yeah, Jim, um, that's a heck of a question I get almost every day. Um, you know, growing up, you know, in Rhode Island, you know, just suburban kid, wanting to play in the league, wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, after walking out of the Qs, you know, I had some uh, good contacts with Jim Beheim and, and Trey Weaver, Mike Hopkins, and um, ended up, you know, just interning at ING Academy, and I got real lucky. I, um, got, I got Sonny Vaccaro's fax number, and um, I persisted. I never the heck out of myself. And I wanted to get an ABCD camp. I couldn't get in because I was a high school phys ed teacher, you know, teaching dodgeball for a living, <laughs> living with my mother, you know. So uh, finally, after about 60 or 70 faxes to uh, Sonny's house, uh, he gave me a call. His, his guy, Bobby Hartstein, and said, uh, all right, you're in. Stop. Stop with this. And they had no idea who I was. Um, and when I got there, that's where I met Derek Rose and Kevin Love and ended up working at ABCD the next four years and obviously going forward, Kevin uh, and Derek hired me full time. 
All right, so now th- this is an amazing story in and of itself. I understand this. Like, you're at home, you're living with your mom, you're teaching dodgeball, but you're persistent, you stay after it, you hammer these guys with emails or faxes, you get the opportunity, you get in. Rob, so folks understand, what exactly did that job entail once you got in that life? Like, what were the last 15 years of your life like? Yeah, I mean, just, I couldn't have gotten close to them yet. You know, just from not being a player. This is the closest you can get. So I train these guys on the court. A lot of people sometimes think it's strength training. It's all on the court skill work. So I was literally in the trenches on the court teaching them, you know, just going through the everyday drills, the kind of stuff you see in a game. Um, you know, and next thing you know, I'm at the NBA draft. I'm in the green room. I'm on private jets going over to Europe with KD. I, I go to Asia every year with Steph Curry on the Under Armour plane. Um, you know, I'm going to all over the world, really, you know, with these top players, you know, being with them, not only on the court, but, you know, being in the house, hanging out with the family, and, um, you know, just, just living, living that life and being around those guys every single day was, you know, just not even a dream come true because I didn't even dream about it. Does that make sense? You know, so, you know, to be with those guys every day and, and, and live in that kind of world was uh was was pretty incredible no it's incredible so you're traveling all over the world and you're staying in the best hotels you're eating in the best restaurants you're on jets to your point rob it's like hey you made a great point actually you said it's like a dream come true but it was actually better than a dream i've heard you make that statement before that it was more unbelievable than a dream what do you mean by that like what's better than the dream yeah because you know when i was you know getting into this kind of job i didn't really have you know a mentor per se, because this, you know, what I did didn't really exist. Training all these guys, you know, a lot of guys had that one guy. But I'm with Steph, KD, Russell, John Wall, Al Horford, you know, Kevin Love, you name it. And I'm with these guys on a daily basis, in season, going to train them monthly. Uh, D Rose, you know, lived in Chicago first three years, right near him to be with him closer. Um, you know, so to so what the I guess the point is, I didn't. This job didn't exist, you know, so I couldn't even dream about it. And actually to be the closest thing you could be to the NBA at that point, and like you said, being in these five-star hotels, being in private planes, being with these guys that when I was a kid, you know, I would almost look up to those kind of players and go, wow, if I could meet that player one time, next thing you know, I'm with them every single day. So I know I'm talking to a number of small business owners right now. I know this. And I also know that a lot of you are busier than ever before. You know, time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing that business. This is why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get to the candidates worth interviewing faster. And it is free. I love LinkedIn. Literally, I'm on that site every single day. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. That is an enormous number. Focus on candidates with the skills and experience that you need, and then use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then use the very simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you want to interview and hire. It is a great product. I use it for hiring. LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. And did you know that every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Rome. That's linkedin.com slash R-O-M-E in order to post that job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. See, you know, Rob, you know what it sounds like to me, like, like you would dream as a kid of being in the NBA. And although you didn't get into the NBA, you had like an NBA life without having to play the games. So now you have the life, right? You have the thing that we all want, a piece of the life, but you actually have the life, or at least, Rob, that's what everybody thought, because that's what everybody saw. However, what are the types of things they did not see? Yeah, um, you know, uh, I would say about, you know, 2012, 2013, I started traveling a real lot, you know, 200 nights a year, maybe 225, uh, you know, had my had my first child, just got married. And, you know, I don't know where it came from, but I started getting down on myself and, and not, you know, enjoying, I guess, the moments, as they say, right? Everyone thinks that's an easy thing to say and enjoy the moments. And I, listen, I tried to, uh, but at the same time, this was my job, you know, this is me making a living. So as time went on, getting down to 2015, 2016, 
you know, there, there were a lot of times I got really depressed, really down um, on myself, not enjoying, you know, who I was as a person, not knowing what was going on, but, you know, ignoring it, you know, per se, and, and not letting it be. And so, you know, I'd be on the court, I'd be with them, I'd be, you know, you know Rob Mack and, and working them out and, and talking trash and being this, you know, this, this guy that was, you know, this alpha male, right? And, you know, then I go alone and next thing you know, I just want to shut the curtain down and be by myself. You know, I had some anxiety, definitely some depression, and um, but I hit it. You know, I hit it a lot and that, that really built up over time. See, what's going on here is like when you, it's, it's challenging enough, right? Like you can be on a private jet, you can stay in a nice hotel, you can be in the nice restaurants, you can even be working with these guys, but it's only so many hours a day, right? You've got a lot of time by yourself and you're away from your family and you've got a lot of time to think. Like, Rob, you talk about how you actually developed a routine when you were not with these guys and not on the floor or not with their families, but with yourself and you went into a hotel room where you had to spend a lot of time because like you said, you were on the road 200 times a year plus, what was this routine that you developed yeah this routine was you know I, I worked the guys out you know and sometimes like you said you know this is two or three hours a day you know minus the phone calls and all that but the point is i go back to my hotel room you know i i, I lock the door put the do not disturb sign on the door shut the blinds and uh you know probably didn't even show the tv on sometime and you know just kind of just sit there and think about life in general and just just want to be alone you know, just want to shut it down and, you know, and just want to be alone. And once that door shut in the hotel, I was kind of more, you know, I guess at ease. Yeah, I would think that it's like it, it's dark, it's lonely, yeah. and you spend a lot of time there, but that's when you were at ease. Why? That that wouldn't seem like – that would seem lonely and hard. Why were you at ease? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it just it just caught up with me as far as that, you know, not only not only that life, there could have been any life, but just being on the road, you know, being away, not thinking, you know, being away from my children, being away from the family and, and, and you know, just kind of being down on myself. And I think, you know, it pertains to a lot of things that's, that's happened, you know, before that. But in the end, it was just um, I was at ease because I just wanted to be alone. And I think once my job was done with the players, the anxiety kicked in and I just wanted to shut the door, be alone and think about, you know, um, I guess my life, really. Rob, it seems like there, and you said there were things that happened before. I mean, there's a flashpoint, right? Like, I, I would imagine it's not one thing that triggered this or if it didn't happen suddenly. But back in 2011, your father got very sick and died mm -hmm. suddenly. He had cancer and it probably seemed like a flash, right? For instance, and I've done, I know this. I My father had leukemia, and he fought that fight. I know what that's like. I think a lot of people listening know, I always say this, but everybody knows somebody who's had cancer or knows somebody who knows somebody. So I think we're all familiar with this. What was it like for you? How did you handle that when that happened? Yeah, um, the problem was I handled it too well. You know, um, you know, like you said, it happened in a flash. It was also two months before my wedding. Um, but, the, you know, the crazy thing is this was November of 11. And, you know, ordinarily that's when kind of my downtime, per se, that's training camp and that's the first week of the season, right? It was the opposite. That was the, that was the lockout. So, you know, my whole thing was, all right, I got to be here with my, you know, my, my sister and, you know, my dad's funeral and all that, but I got to get back because I'm thinking, they still need to work out, right? I have to get back to LA and work these guys out in Santa Monica and Bel Air. And if I don't, I'm thinking they're going to get the trainer, you know? So I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't really have that, I guess, grieving period per se and all that stuff. And and I just went back and I worked for another six, seven weeks. And next thing you know, a month later, I'm getting married, you know? So I didn't really go through that process at all. Um, and that's... I, that's how I handled it, not going through that process. All right, so you jump right back into it, and you didn't grieve, and right. you didn't mourn. So, like, like you're sad, and then you have these thoughts, right? These, these really sad thoughts, these heavy thoughts. Did the mm -hmm. sadness over time begin to wane, or did it never really leave you? Um, I think it never really left me, you know, and I think that's, you know, where this article kind of comes into play. I talk about, you know, I suppressed a lot of it. Right. And I think over time and I had talking, you know, eight, nine years, 10 years, the suppression of, of, of those feelings and not want to talk about it to anybody. It doesn't have to be a therapist, but it has to be just somebody. I don't want to talk about anybody, whether it was my grieving, whether it was my anxiety, whatever, the depression, whatever it was. And, you know, I think and not leaving me only it built it up more, you know, and, and not, not really talking about it or even, you know, trying not to think about it, really.
Hey, listen, I love this product so much that I'm about to tell you about. Hey, I got a quick question for you. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? That is the absolute worst, right? It's a business scam out to get you. Do not let greedy corporations pocket your money, download True Bill, and take control of your subscriptions. I mean, seriously, I don't know about you. I have an issue with this. Subscriptions that I can't get rid of. Subscriptions that I don't even know about. True Bill, though, is here. It's a brand new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel. Truebill, though, makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in a single tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I mean, this really is a brilliant concept. And Truebill now has over 2 million users and have helped save them over $100 million. Do not fall for subscription scams. Start canceling right now at Truebill.com slash Rome. Go right now to Truebill.com slash R-O-M-E. It could save you thousands this year. Truebill.com slash R-O-M-E. All right, so Rob, I meant to reference that. I should have done that. When you said the, the article, we're talking about an amazing column that you wrote for the Players' Tribune at the end of last year. And a lot of that is coming from this. It's an amazing column where you lay a lot of this out. So let me ask you something. For instance, like here's the thing. Okay, let me, before I ask you what I was about to ask you, so you're having trouble and you're struggling, but you just said, I didn't talk to anybody about this. I did not seek help. Why not? What was your mindset? Why did you not look to talk to anybody about this? Yeah, because, you know, I'm out here training, right? These great players that we just talked about living this dream that I never even had. And so how am I going to look if I come out? Also, you know, this alpha male, you know, these guys hired me because I was this brash guy, held them accountable, didn't care who they were, treated them like a human being, not like this yes man, like okay, you kind of used to sometimes. Um, so I, I kind of didn't talk to anybody about it because they would have thought, what do you mean this guy doesn't, you know, how is he, how is he depressed? How does he think he has a bad life? He's never, I mean, a dream life, right? He's got, he's got three kids. He's, you know, he's, he's training his NBA plays, traveling over the world. Um, so I look at that, like that's going to be looked down upon, right? And the, and the stigma of that, especially as this, you know, so-called alpha male coming out and saying this, there's no way he could be like that, right? And then I looked at it, well, are my players going to keep me, you know, and keep training with me if, if I act like that or, or come out like that. So I kind of left it alone, suppressed it, um, you know, and then, you know, thankfully, you know, one of my best friends, uh, you know, and, and, and guys that I've known in high school, since his high school is Kevin Love came out with another article and, and that made me start to think, okay, maybe it is okay, you know. All right. So look, there's a number of really important things in what you just said, and it's kind of twofold, threefold. But to your first point about the guys, and I understand this because mental health already, and thank God it's now become more, and Kevin Love has so much to do with this. Thank goodness it's a point of dialogue now, and we could talk about this openly because it's something, it's a conversation we should have had so much earlier. But here's the thing. To your point, I want to make sure that the listeners really understand this, Rob. Like For you to work with who you had to work with, you had to be a hard ass. You had to push them. You had to challenge them. You had to be tough as hell. You could not yes them. In short, you had to practice what you preached. I understand this, but if you were in as much pain as you were in, how in the world were you able to work on this level, on the daily, with some of the most competitive, fierce alphas in the world? Were you able just to somehow, some way, compartmentalize that for a couple hours a day? Yeah, I just i used to it, Jim, and, you know, I just kind of just, just held it in, you know, and it, yes, it wasn't hard. Yes, but also going forward, I did it so much, it was like almost, I got used to it, right? And, and it started building and building and building, but at the same time, I knew not only did I have to show up for them, but I had to show up to make money for the family, and and yeah, I think over time, like you said, it just, I just, I just held it in, and, and all right, you know what, you gotta, you gotta put four or five hours here of, of on the court a day. And the other stuff, you can do calls and do the film editing on your own. But with these guys, you got to show up. You're going to be that that guy that, like you said, that brash guy to come out and just and just hold them accountable. Because if I don't show up and act like that and, and put my work in, 
you know, why, why should that, you know? So, um, yeah, I just kind of got used to it, I guess. Well, two and things. I really don't even know the answer to be honest. With right. You. I mean, you did what you had to do. Two things. Number yeah. one, that's why they hired you because you were very good at what you did right. and you had that mentality. And number two, you had to be thinking, if I don't do this, they'll find somebody else who will. Right. And then, Rob, to your other point, and I want to read this, this is a direct quote from that column. You write, quote, and look, I totally get it. For those of you out there reading now and thinking, what a selfish motherfucker. You've got three kids, a family to support. Those children need you around. How could you ever think that? End of quote. And you wrote, I mean, you wrote that. That's a quote. I'm curious, like, what's your response to folks who hear this and think that? Are they right? Is there any element of truth to that? Do they have a right to think that? What's your response to that? Yeah, I mean, I thought about this a lot. And, um, you know, I, I think you don't really understand it till you're in it, right? And it's the same thing with, you know, Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan. You know, when they came out with the same type of stuff, you know, people were on you know, social media, which sometimes can be the worst, as you know, came at them like, how could, how could you be like you're an NBA? You make $50 million a year. It doesn't make sense. And, and, I, and I, again, I, I get it but it's hard to explain unless you're in it, right? And it has nothing to do with selfish, it has nothing to do with me not wanting to be around my kids or you know, being there for my children. It's more in the sense where I can't take it anymore myself. And that's what it came down to. And, and, and it's almost like comes a point where, okay, you so down on yourself, they'll be like, well, everyone will be better without me. But that's kind of how, how you feel. And that's kind of how I felt. I accept this. I accept this. I believe you. And gone are the days where, I mean, you're taught as an athlete. You know this because you, not only did you come up as an athlete, you train the best athletes in the world. And by the way, there's certain things you cannot gut through. You cannot impose your will on. You can't fight through. It's much bigger than that. The point that you just made, that you just said, I started to think maybe, maybe everybody might be better off without me. You were in New Orleans one night. You were out with one of your guys. You went to dinner. You came back to your hotel room. What did you do? What happened? Yeah, I came back. And I, I, at that point, I pretty much had enough. And um, I, I went back. I shut the door. Typical routine. Do not disturb. Sign. Shut the blinds. I decided this is it. Grabbed the belt. Uh, you know, looked up. Honestly, I think I wrote about this. You know, what Robert Williams did. Because you know, I had nothing else, you know, to, to use, I guess. Um, and luckily, you know, put it on the doorknob and, 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 and attempted a suicide. And, um, you know, luckily the, uh, you know, the belt broke and, uh, woke up and I'm knowing what the heck happened. Cause I thought it was, it was over, you know? And, uh, but luckily it broke and, you know, the crazy thing was I was pissed You know, I wasn't even happy that, that, that it didn't work. Right. And, um, but that was, uh, definitely a breaking point where I knew, you know, okay, we need to work on this or it's going to work next time. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I want to be really respectful in how I ask you that, but I mean, the belt broke. If you have a better belt, I mean, obviously you and I are not having yeah. this conversation right now, right? Correct. There's no, 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 no doubt in my mind. So, but, but Rob, you were, you were pissed. Like your, your response was not, wow, that's a message from above. I have a second chance. I'm going to live every moment as if it were my last moment. That that's not what you thought you were pissed. Why were you pissed? It's almost like, you know what? I just failed again. You know, I can't even do this right. And, you know, I finally had, I guess the balls to do it. And the one time I tried, right. It doesn't work. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot of things went through my head that time um, after that. Um, but, yeah, I think I was pissed because finally, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. And I even failed at that, right? And, um, you know, but, you know, and then obviously I'm happy it didn't, didn't work. But it, that was um, – I wasn't just pissed for that hour. I was pissed for a couple of days. And, um, and, you know, the crazy thing is that day, you know, Got a sweater, got a little turtleneck, and went to the Pelicans game. And, like, nothing happened. And so my boys dapped them up. What's up, man? What's up, motherfucker? This and, you know, like, you're just hanging out with one of the guys, going to the locker room after, see the guys, two of my guys, and, and, like, nothing happened. You know, typical routine, typical me on a more dramatic, 
you know, level, but definitely the same, same thing. I mean, Rob, that, this is insane. I mean, you, the reason, yeah. just so we're clear on this, the reason you went out and got a turtleneck was because you were so badly bruised. I mean, you had this gigantic yeah. mark running down your neck and you look, you literally woke up, went to the store, got a turtleneck to cover it up and just went about your life. Like it never happened. And you went back to work the next day, but like it didn't get better though. Right. And we're going to talk about the big pivot and how this all works out. But just to make this point clear, it didn't get better, right? You continue to have similar thoughts and it didn't get better after that. Correct. It did not, it did not get better. Um, you know, a month later, officially, officially got divorced, I guess. Um, and, you know, here I am making the transition of my life to, you know, living on my own at least half the time without my kids and, and, and doing that. And then, you know, next thing you know, COVID hits, <laughs> you know, six weeks later, which, listen, I'm not the only one going through stuff with that. And I think a lot of people still are. And I don't think we've seen the effects, quite frankly. Um, you know, and next thing you know, COVID hits, I'm not really – you know, working or traveling. So my whole life changed for 15, 20 years traveling around the country and the world. And now I'm stuck at home living on my own, you know, and, you know, half the time, yes, having my kids but the other nights living by myself. So no, that it, it, it kept building up and to a point where my life had changed because at least when I'm hitting the road a little bit, I do have those hours and when I'm working, I wasn't really working as much on the court, but sometimes I did like being in between those lines. Um, you know, so eventually around you know, early March, um, I decided, uh, you know, enough's enough. We, right. we did this, this, this could be a blessing in disguise, not be, having to travel and see these guys a lot. This is going to be a time. And that's the other, the other thing, Jim. You know, when I was wanting to get help, I decided I can't go away for a month anywhere. You know, because, you know, these, where I went, I couldn't have my phone, this and that. And I'm like, I'm not going to keep anybody. But at the same time, I don't want to tell them. You know, so I can't, like, tell these guys I'm going to go away for this. Cause I don't want them to know that, you know, at the same time, I couldn't, <laughs> you know, use my phone or even watch games or anything. So I can't go absent for a month. I lose everybody. Where, where, where the heck is Rob? You know? So finally, you know, I reached out to Kevin Love. Um, you know, he's the first person I did. I texted him right away, and, you know, and then immediately he called me and it was crazy because it was all-star break. Cause all-star break last year, I think, you know, was, I think early March or something or, or two years ago. And, um, it was just perfect timing as far as him being available. He called me on FaceTime and said, this is what we're going to do. This is what you got to do. And, um, you know, I made a call within three days. I'm, I, you know, I went somewhere out west and, uh, in Cali and, uh, yeah, kind of shut it down for three or four weeks. All right. So, I mean, the, Rob, this is like, what a, what a terrible spot to be in. Like, you're terrified. You know you have to get help. Like, literally, your life is at stake. It literally is mm-hmm. at stake. I would imagine you just cannot go on like this any longer. It's got to be so exhausting every single day to live like that. But at the other hand, you're thinking to yourself, I mean, I have to support my family. And if I'm not there, for, th- I, I can't go for 30 days. I mean, I'll lose everything I've worked my whole life for. Right. And that leads you to Kevin Love. And Kevin Love is one of the first athletes to openly talk about the challenges regarding mental health. And you got on the phone with him. You Facetimed with him. Who else did you talk to before you came to California? Like, what kind of conversations did you have? You no, know, not many people at all. I mean, um, you know, my sister was a psychologist. Called her. Um, you know, a couple of really you know close friends. Uh, you know, my kid's mom, obviously. And that's it. I mean, that was it. You know, so uh, you know, I was gone, and you know, I could use use the home line out there, so I kept in touch. Oh, just saying hello. Sorry to get back to you on text, you know, you know, whatever. Sorry, you know, I'm, I've been really busy. You know, no one would ever think, right? I'm doing, you know, oh, Rob's traveling again. That's all. No big deal. He's always on the road, you know, and um, yeah. And, uh, you know, when this article came out, the same amount of people pretty much knew. It's like five people. So wow. this was, uh, talk about my phone blowing up. It was next level from just, you know, people that I, I'm close to, obviously, the people that some people I never, knew my life, you know, DMing me and things like that. So the, the, the response were overwhelmingly, you know, positive. It's amazing. You like, you didn't tell anybody, you didn't tell your close friends, you didn't tell your family. I'm curious when you made that decision, I'm going to go to California. I'm going to get some treatment. That flight, that seven hour flight out here. And you're, and you're a tough guy now. What was that flight like? And how afraid were you for the whole thing? Horrible. I mean, those, those, six, seven hours or worse than the three, four weeks. I mean, it was, 
talk about it. I mean, I don't get, I get anxiety, not crazy anxiety. Depression was worse than anxiety. Um, you know, but man, I was sweating. I didn't want to go. I landed and I thought about, I thought about not even, I thought it would turn around and it got me over. And I'm thinking this whole time, what does Uber guy think? He must think I'm all screwed up going to this place. Right. And I'm just thinking, Oh my God, if I'm worried about this guy, um, you know, but finally I got there, I was still, you know, it took me three, four days to really, I guess, settle in. Um, but, you know, once you got there, man, it's, you know, you're around these 30 other men that are very successful in, in what they do. And some have a very, very good life. Um, so that made them a little comfortable. It's like, wow, wow, I'm not the only one. And, you know, some people were, had way more bigger issues than I did, you know, so it was kind of crazy to, to, to see that. It's like, oh, my God, you know, this is normal men, alpha men, a lot of these guys that are just going through the same stuff, some worse than me. So that made it, you know, definitely better to know that. Like, you know, like I'm not right. the only one. I'm not the only yeah. one. I'm not the outlier. I'm not. And I would imagine there's a number of people, Rob, people, Rob, listening right now that are very similar. Like they're struggling. They're having a hard time. They don't know where to turn. You know, I want to ask you this. Like you didn't tell anybody, but your kids, your kids, you love your kids. They were always there for you. Kids are really interesting, right? On what they can pick up on and what they know. Did they have any idea? How old were they? And did they have any idea what was going on? Well, yeah, I don't think they really knew, you know, but um, I did mention the article, you know, so at this point, I think uh, the twins are around five or six and my daughter was seven. Um, you know, my, my boy and girl twins were, were around five or six, but um, they, um, you know, my three kids, I think my oldest, um, my several at the time, she was very intuitive, almost like, yeah, what's wrong? You know, if you tell what's wrong with you, you know, you know saying, right? Oh, I'm fine. I, just, I, I could never believe it. And she said this three or four times. And this was, she said this right around that time, around, you know, a little pre COVID, you know, January, February, that time. And that's where I really started thinking about, oh, I, need to, I need to get out of here. Because, you know, that's what really hit me. Like, oh, she can even just sense that. I don't like that. You know what I mean? I, you know, I don't like that. I can deal with stuff on my own, but when they start picking up, who knows they're going to pick up on the 12th if I don't get up, you know? So um, that that really helped me to, you know, to go and do that, you know? And, I, you know, of course, I was worried about being away from them and not being able to, you know, you know FaceTime every night like we usually do at 7 p.m. on the, on the button. Um, but, you know, I just made it seem like it was work, you know, what have you. But, yeah, that intuition from my, from my oldest daughter really, really, really hit me where, okay, you better, you better buckle up here and man up and, and do this. So, so I want, so I want yeah, to, first to yeah, I was, I'm sorry. I was going to say like, she didn't know exactly what it was, but she knew something like you, you had to do the hard work and we could talk about that in a minute, but you think maybe, maybe she and they, and again, to the point, if you just said their ages, were you, everything else that you were dealing with, you then had three kids like in an 18 month period in yeah. a marriage that ultimately dissolved. I mean, it's just so much stuff, Rob. But do you yeah. think then the kids, they probably saved your life, right? Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. And, and correct me, it was three kids in 15 months. My bad. 15 <laughs> <So>. months. <laughs> Even tougher. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, one of my daughters, 15 months old, you know, we are boy-girl twins. Um, you know, but yeah, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, at that point, you know, that was, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's true. It was the only thing I really wanted to live for, you know, at that point in my life. And I, and I knew not only did he need a father, obviously, but for a lot of reasons, you know, support, you know, in every way possible. So um, th there's no doubt, you know, if they, if they weren't around, who knows, I might not be around. So, if you, yeah, I mean, amazing. So if you would kind of maybe share your thoughts and give us some food for thought, because, again, I think there are a lot of people listening that are listening and they're they're getting so much out of this. But spe specifically, when you were here in California and you went through that treatment, what was the most important thing you learned while you did that hard work, while you were there? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. I think, first of all, I think the main thing is it's, it's okay. You know, it's okay to feel like that. It's not abnormal, no matter who you are. Man, woman, doesn't matter. No matter what you do for work, it doesn't matter, you know, if you feel like that, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's suicidal, it's, you know, it's all right. So I think especially the last, you know, these last two years, right? Um, the isolation people went through, whether you're a child, 
or, you know, whether you're an adult, um, you know, people financially getting killed, um, you know, a lot of things, you know, and um, that's the main thing, first of all, that I learned that it's, it's all right and it's okay to talk about it. Like I said earlier, it doesn't have to be a therapist right away, nothing like that. As long as you talk to somebody that can just listen and, and respond, you know, respond to you positively, obviously. Um, and that's what helped me, you know, be able to talk about it with Kevin, with my sister initially, a couple of dear friends. Um, that's what helped me. And I think once you can, you can talk about that, you know, and then you can really start to get dive into what, you know, why you feel like that. Because there's obviously always something there. It just doesn't happen. There's always something there that happened, whether it's in your past, whether, like I said, someone had died, whether it's, you know, you're just going through something, with, you know, personally. Um, that's the main thing. I think that we have to learn. That's the lesson, I think, why I, I did the article that, you know, I, can, I had this great life and, and people had no clue. No clue. You know, they're on me every single day, whether it's my clients or whether it's just my best friends in the world you know, my family. You know, my mother, she didn't know like that. That's my mother, you know? So um, I think if people can just, just talk about it and know that, hey, it's all right, you know, to, 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 to think about those things and feel like that, um, you know? And like I said earlier, Jim, I think the long-term effects of this, all this COVID stuff is, isn't here yet. You know, I think we're going to, you know, I think we're going to go through this stuff. And, um, and the other thing, getting back to my kids, you know, I remember talking to Kevin Love about the, the suicide um, rates of at least attempting um, suicide with high school kids, especially girls, have, have dramatically gone up, dramatically. And it, it, it goes into, yes, COVID, isolation, and a lot of those things, but also social media, you know, and do I have enough likes, enough followers, and, and the bullying. And that's when I started reading about that also. You know, that's a really, I mean, you know what, I got to do this for my kids, you know, because if they're going through this stuff when they're teenagers, what have you, you know, I think it might be hopefully easier for them. No, listen, even dad, that's dad, that's our hero, whatever. Uh, if he went through it, it's all right. And that's another reason I kind of did it. Seeing those, seeing those rates of those, especially high school girls that, you know, having two doors, that really bothered me. That really bothered me. So interesting, Rob, like that whole thing about how, you know, how kids see their father, especially when they're young kids. You talk about this too. Yeah. Not at all. That they're like, you're their superhero. Like one of your kids, this is, I mean, it's it's so cute and it's so awesome and it's so cool, but you had a book and she wanted to dress up as the book for Halloween. <laughs> like you were their idol and their superhero. So it's such a key point, right? Like you need to lead from the front and you have to understand this is what they're going through. And by the way, dad's going through it too. And this is how we deal with it, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and these, you know, these three kids that look up to their dad, right? And they think, oh, you know, I trained all these guys. They're starting to understand it, I think, now that, you know, I'm so cool, right? And, um, yeah, she wanted to actually be my book. And I think the mom shut that down pretty quick. But, uh, <laughs> I but um, yeah, so I think, you know, just, 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 you know, having them and, and, and knowing that, you know, it's okay to think like that and, and, and you know, and go through that. And hopefully now, you know, God forbid they are bullied or something like that, which I think a lot of kids go through now, a lot of kids. And, uh, you know, they can go to me and be like, all right, Dad, listen. You know, that's what I want to be open about it and not have that stigma, right? And, and listen, look, look, Jim, a lot of the DMs I got were, I'd say 90 95% maybe the calls or messages or DMs I got from those like strangers, even people I knew, were, were men. Were men. And um, if they weren't men, they were girlfriends or wives of men that were going through it. What do I do? And a lot of these are strangers. I mean, I'm talking paragraphs and DMs. And I got back to everybody. I mean, it took it might take it a month, but I got to back to everybody because I, I couldn't have that on my mind, right? On my conscious. And um, yeah, it was crazy. Just just keep men I knew, men I men I didn't know, and, and to have wives and, and girlfriends of these men saying, my, you know, my my husband going through the same stuff, your article, you know, the, the description of that stuff is the same stuff. What what should I do? You know, and it was, it was crazy to read some of the stuff because it was very parallel to things I went through. And it was old men that had, that had kids and had good jobs. And like I said, we're alpha males, but I think those are the kind of guys, especially that are afraid to, you know, to talk about this. 
Rob, so I, would, I mean, this is why you're telling your story. And so I give you so much credit for this. this. This cannot be an easy thing to do or an easy story to tell. But when you're getting this reaction and it's so overwhelming and your message and the message I'm getting is, I mean, it's, it's multi-layered, but it's things like things are not always what they appear. And if you're going through this, it's okay. A lot of other people are going through this and there's ways to get help. But when you're getting all this reaction, what was it like for you to get all of that reaction? And in fact, what was that message? What did you tell them generally? Yeah, kind of, you know, same thing. You know, listen, just talk this. Is there somebody you can talk to? You know, that, you know, again, just be a friend. You know, that you can kind of just get it off your chest a little bit and then take it. And that's the first step. The fact that you're keeping it to yourself and, and saying everything's all right, everything's all right, everything's all right. And it's, Kind of line I've used for years to myself, you know, in the mirror. It's all right. You'll, you'll be fine. Um, you know, that's the first message. And then second one, okay, once you once you can talk to somebody about it, okay, then I think the next step is get professional help and put yourself first. And that's what I wasn't doing. And that's a, a big, big thing that I, I've been telling people that are going through this. Be selfish because nothing's going to be right in your life, your job, your kids, your marriage, whatever it is, friendships, Nothing's going to be right in life until you're okay. So be selfish, get yourself right, and then everything will trickle down and, you know, everything else will be all right. But until you're right, you can say, oh, yeah, kids are fine and, and this is good and work is good and all that. But until you're fine, that stuff's going to definitely suffer, you know. So put yourself first, get yourself right, talk to somebody professional about it eventually, and, um, you know, work on it. And listen, this is something that doesn't just go away. You know, and, and, and Kevin talks about this all the time. You know, this doesn't go away. This will be work on, you know, your whole life. And, and again, that's okay. But I think the more people that you talked about are like, oh, like I am now with you. I think it's um, if one person listens to this and, and it helps and, that's, you know, this and you, you know, we did our job here, I guess, per se. But um, that's the main thing. If, if people can really just put themselves first, I think everything else, you know, will trickle down. But Listen, this this kind of mental health stuff that doesn't uh, discriminate, right? It's it doesn't matter who you are, or where you are, or what you do. It happens to a lot of people, you know, and probably not as many people as we know. You know, I think the percentages are probably higher than actually that are out there. You know, we just don't know about it. No, of course. I mean, you didn't tell anybody for years. How would we know? Right. Like, yeah, the people exactly. closest to you had no idea. Right. How would we know? I, I guarantee there's so many people listening right now that are dealing with this, and the people closest to them do not know. So, I mean, you answered something before I let you go that. The, I was going to say, is there, quote, a cure? And the answer would be, I guess, no. This is an ongoing thing. You deal with it, you issue, or you deal with the issue, and you work on it. I mean, like everybody else, where does that leave you personally? You're still writing your life story. You're still a young person. What do you suppose the next chapter of your life looks like, or do we just go with the athlete cliche, I'm just going to be where my feet are, and then we'll see? No, I mean, um, yeah, I'm still doing the training and stuff, and I, and I love what I do. But, you know, I've been doing this 20 years. Uh, you know, going to continue to do it. But, you know, last since my book came out, I was doing, you know, still doing a lot of ton of corporate speaking and networking, how I kind of got to my point. Um, you know, something I want to continue to do. Um, you know, but now this is in my life. I want to, you know, help people for sure. You know, whether it's doing talks or it's just talking to people on, on DM, I don't care. That, that's a big goal in my life to help those people. Um you know, and then I think in the end, just be with my kids more and be around them more, um, you know, like, like all of us, you know. So, and, you know, gratefully, you know, I'm still here now, you know, and, I, and I'll take that for granted. And uh, you know, it's nothing that comes up in my mind anymore, nothing like that. But listen, I have my bad days and I have my good days, right? And I have a good hour and I have, you know, a bad 23 hours, maybe, whatever it is, you know, it's it doesn't go away, but I know how to deal with it now. It's out there. I can talk about it. Um, you know, and, and, and I know it's all right. And it's the more people that that have come to me now, there's, you know, there's people we talk to, I talk to every day about it. And that's, you know, and it's, it's all right, you know. So going to keep moving forward, you know, with, with what I do. And, you know, luckily I've gained some great relationships, you know, working guys out in L.A. And whether it's, 
you know, sports-wise or, or business-wise. And, uh, you know, a lot of things on the horizon. And uh, hopefully, you know, just keep moving forward. I think it's courageous as hell. I think it's strong as hell. I'm so glad you're still here to share this story and to help people, Rob. So, like, if people listening right now, and, and I guarantee there's so many people listening right now that are benefiting from it, if they want your book, it sounds like you're still open that if people want to reach out to you directly, can they do that? What is the best way for people to find out more, learn more from you, find your book and find you if they want to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you can DM me on, on uh, Instagram. I'm the Rob Mack. Um, you know, my book is called Network. Uh, you can buy that anywhere on Amazon, things like that. And if you're interested in basketball, it's an easy, fun read. And uh, yes, you know, if anyone wants to reach out to me, you know, my website's therobmack.com. And, and even when the article came out, you know, I promise you, and, and if I missed you, I'm sorry, but I, I think I pretty much got back to everybody, you know. So uh, whether it's basketball, whether it's mental health, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to help. And uh, you know, I always say in my corporate talks, you know, I get back to everybody within 24 hours, and usually bites me in the ass because <laughs> okay, <laughs> the emails. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta get back to people for hours. So you guys stop saying that. <laughs> yeah. you, you, gotta, you stop promising. You don't need a 24 hour uh, policy for that. Just yeah, right. that that would be tough. That'd be tough. One last thought, really quickly. So there's so many people you don't know that want to reach out. I'm really curious. The guys that you work so closely with that did not know, generally, what was their reaction and how supportive were they? The guys that you were closest to and that you worked with. I mean, shocked. You know, shocked. I um, mean, yeah, obviously, Kevin knew, but no one else knew. Not one player knew. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, that was with, with um, you know, Steph and, and uh, when he brought the record to New York. And then again, he came to Boston right after the Celtics. So, I, you know, was with him pretty, pretty much the whole week, I guess. Um, and the article came out two days later. So him having, you know, hanging out, you know, with, you know, with him and just, you know, he's, listen, I don't even look at him like that. He's, he's one of the most best individuals human dealing with me in your life. So, you know, this is not, not me sitting here saying I'm a stand was more just I was with somebody for that whole four days and during his, you know, one of his greatest accomplishments. And two days later, the author comes out. He was like, you, you couldn't believe it, you know, and he, he ended up reaching out to me. And I think the main thing was, you know, your question, I think everyone's just kind of shocked, but yet, you know, proud and obviously happy I was here, but also um, just proud I did it. And, you know, you'd be surprised at some of the guys that, you know, as you know, some of these athletes, the pressures, you know, is amazing sometimes, you know. So on them, even though you, you think they have this great life, they have a lot of pressure, you know, with their families and friends and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy, you know. There was, and a lot of guys, why don't you tell me? And I said, well, it's the point of the article. You know, I didn't tell anybody, and this is me now telling it, but the point of the article was, you know, I wish I did reach out to people, but I didn't because, like, uh, you know, Rob Mack, I'm this, I'm this trainer, trans of the stars. You know, I can't be that guy, right? So that was kind of the point of the article to say, listen, it's all right, and I hopefully people are feeling like this, they come out right earlier than I did. And talk, and talk about it. That's it. That is the point of the article, that you did not come out, but that you should come right. out, and the sooner the better, and that things are not necessarily what they appear, Rob. it's It really is, and this is why I couldn't wait to meet you and talk to you. It was one of the most amazing pieces I've ever read, and I can't give you enough credit for it or thank you enough for the time that you spent today. Really, man, an absolute pleasure to meet you, and you should be proud. And it's it's really powerful and really inspiring, and I really appreciate you. I really hope this is not the last time you and I rap, and thank you very much for your time. And I know for a fact that you helped so many people again today by telling your story. Yeah, Jim, I really appreciate that, and uh, great to have you on. And, uh yeah, I appreciate you guys reaching out. And like I said, hopefully it helps at least, you know, at least one person. And, uh, you know, and that, that that's all I want, you know. So, but yeah, hopefully I'm out west. We can, you know, hang out or something. Love to meet you. My thanks to Rob for sharing his story. You know that cannot be easy for him to do. And to that end, I would ordinarily say, nor does he have to share that story. Nor would I blame him if he choose to fight this fight privately and not let the world know exactly what he's dealing with and what he's going through. But essentially, this is exactly his point. He tried that. He didn't tell anybody that he was struggling and it got worse and worse until it nearly ended tragically. The point then is this, if you are struggling, absolutely you should talk about it with somebody you trust. 
Now, I want to be very clear about this. Obviously, I'm just an average dude. In no way am I a mental health professional. I'm just somebody who had a really powerful conversation just now with somebody who said he had experienced some really tough times and went through some really dark periods and only started to come out of it when he finally did choose to talk to somebody that he trusted. And then he did seek professional help, and he still does. And because of that, he was able to get his life back. So point number one, if you're struggling or you're in a dark place, talk to somebody, find somebody you trust, and definitely start that conversation. Secondly, if you are struggling, you are not alone. It's not unusual. Rob said he himself thought he was the only one in the world in his position going through something like that. And that it was only in treatment that he found out there were so many others. He was not an outlier. It wasn't unusual. And then really importantly, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay if you're not okay. And once again, I am not a medical professional. But I'm hearing that message loud and clear. And it's not the first time I've heard it on this podcast. Again, it's okay to not be okay as long as you do talk to somebody and pursue the help you need. And finally, to Rob's other main point, things are not always what they seem. I've said this on my programs for years when talking about athletes and other public figures. We do not know any of these people. And I was saying that long before social media exploded, where so many people will have you believe that there's something that they are not. Again, we don't know any of these folks. But then Rob's story takes that to a completely different level. Because when I said it, I was saying that we don't know famous athletes. We don't really know them, and we don't really know public figures. Rob proves, oftentimes, that the people who know you the best, the people who know you intimately, may in fact have no idea who you really are or what you're really dealing with. His closest family, friends, and clients had no idea that he was struggling, had no idea that he actually tried to take his own life. Many who he worked closely with, and even on a daily basis, had no idea what he was dealing with until he wrote about it in a column for the Players' Tribune. So the other key point that he makes, a really important point, things are not always what they seem. So bottom line, key takeaways are, if you are struggling, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody you can trust. Get help. And it's okay not to be okay. You're not the only one struggling. And things are not always what they appear. Always keep that in mind. Such a critical and powerful conversation. I have so much respect for Rob for sharing his story. I got so much out of that. I learned so much from that conversation. And I really appreciate Rob for sharing that story and inviting all of you to reach out to him and share your thoughts and concerns if you want to. I think it's absolutely amazing that he's saying, if you want to talk to somebody, if you need to talk to somebody, I'm here. Come find me. And as always, I appreciate you all very much. Thank you for choosing to spend some time right here. I appreciate it. And I would even appreciate you subscribing to, sharing, and rating this podcast if you would. In the meantime, stay after it. And I will see all of you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.